You are now listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you with another episode of the Millennial Travel Podcast after a little break. Hope every welcome to 2021, everybody. Uh, first and foremost, whew, I think we're all glad that 2020 is behind us. We're not out of the woods yet, uh, but things are looking up and we have a lot of hope around here. So that being said, I am going to crank out my first solo episode in order to get you the best content that I possibly can. I have been on a 17-day writing streak, which I'm very, very proud of, considering it lasted through Christmas, New Year's, my first wedding anniversary, a day of skiing, all the fun stuff around the holidays. Um, And yeah, so I've been just trying to get as much content out there for you to be able to spend less escape more and make travel a priority in your life which of course was the subtitle of my book the millennial travel guidebook so without further ado i want to uh, go along and much like i did in my uh, the audible version of this book uh, of the millennial travel guidebook I want to go through and dictate some of these massive guides that I have been writing. So what I'm going to do is basically just uh, sit here, well, at my computer, actually standing at my new Christmas present to myself, my standing desk. It had been too long uh, in a post-COVID world, uh, not at the standing desk in the co-working space. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I want to bring you solo travel, the ultimate guide to traveling alone, and I'm going to dictate some parts of it. Uh, You can, of course, read this on the Under 30 Experiences blog, under30experiences.com slash blog slash solo dash travel dash guide if you want the direct URL. Uh, But here we go. I want to uh, really provide some value to you and sure I'm going to read some parts of what I wrote but then I'm also going to go off the cuff and elaborate a little bit of a lecture style. So hope you enjoy. So as you know at under 30 experiences 75% of our travelers travel solo. So we know a thing or two about the concerns of solo travelers. By the end of this guide, you will be ready to travel alone and sufficiently be prepared to satisfy your wanderlust without having to wait for your friends to stop being so darn busy. We hope this post gives you the travel bug and endless ideas for traveling solo. So, how to save money when traveling. This is obviously very important, and I want to make sure that your travel budget goes further so you can spend more time traveling. Spend your money too quickly and you'll find yourself broke, and then you won't be able to book another trip. Everyone wants to save money on travel. Savvy travelers know that when they get home, they'll be itching to book their next adventure. So, they have something to look forward to. I heard it referred to today as the Sunday scaries. Uh, And, you know, we want to make those Sunday nights or those Monday mornings a little bit easier if you have something to look forward to. I always try to have something 
I look forward to on my calendar. Um, and it'd be nice to allow you to have money left over so when that travel bug bites or the great travel deal pops up, you get that email uh, in your inbox from somewhere like Scott's Cheap Flights. You say, oh, yeah, hell yeah, let's do this. I got the money. So making your travel budget go further. Sure, we'd all love to splurge and treat ourselves on a nice vacation once in a while, but I'm a believer that solar, solo travel is a lifestyle. So we can't spend all our money in one place. Many of our community members at Under 30 Experiences enjoy taking three or four short trips per year, while others like to take advantage of more advanced techniques, negotiate remote work, which, phew, thank you, COVID, uh, the one thing that we can say thank you to COVID for, we can take off as digital nomads, uh, and or we can travel for a month or two in between leases. So I recently did this. Um, I, my, actually, I sold my place in Austin, and I went on a one-month road trip through all the national parks out west and really had a, uh, an amazing time. And I was able to spend more on that trip because I didn't have housing costs that much. So while budgets aren't sexy, Knowing how much you want to spend is important. If you can, look to spend more time in a place and find longer-term accommodations which will be less expensive than renting a hotel room per night, as you probably know. So right now, an example of that, I am looking to go down to Puerto Rico for a while, and I really want to get to know the place. You know, even when I'm surfing, yeah, sure, you can get out a couple times and you probably surf decent, but once you really get to know the break, then you can really get locked in. You have the time to make sure to wait around for the good waves, for example. I know not everybody is a surfer, but um, yeah, I just like that feel of being a local, you know, getting to know your, your people at your local cafe, your coffee shop, um, wherever you frequent, it's nice to make a couple friends around town and feel like you really understood a place rather than just being a transient tourist. So uh, for that, you can use the boots on the ground method. If traveling, if you're traveling in the developing world, um, you can look around for, for rent signs in Puerto Rico, for example. Uh, it is a more developed society, so there are some listings. Uh, you know, you might have to know Spanish. That's why sometimes just looking around for these for rent signs once you get there is good. I know a lot of people who will book a hotel or Airbnb for the very beginning of their stay. And um, then, sure, yeah, then they'll look around, see, did I like the area? Instead of, you know, my option is, okay, uh, maybe I might not like this area of Puerto Rico or realize, oh, it's a little too busy or this place has too much road noise, uh, something I'm very sensitive to. So, Anyway, um, Airbnb and VRBO also offer lower rates for month-long stays. This was Airbnb's big pivot. Everybody, when COVID hit, thought, oh my God, what's going to happen to Airbnb? Nobody's traveling. Then all of a sudden, people were escaping the city, and all these places were being rented out by the month on a more long-term basis, and Airbnb is booming again. So, and and don't be afraid to haggle. That's, that's always a good tip, is just... Uh, yeah, make sure you, you negotiate.
All right, I just changed the settings on my new travel microphone, so I think I might have improved the audio quality here a little bit. So, uh, all right, next section, when to solo travel and how to spend less. Traveling off-season is always going to give you the best deals on solo travel. Right now, I'm riding in a beach house on the Atlantic Ocean, taking advantage of off-season prices. Literally, what I pay for this place is less than half of what, per month, I pay per month, it's less than half of what they charge per week in the summertime. It's insane. So I pay a fraction of the price because, yeah, I don't mind a little bit of cold. And there's not a lot going on around here, which you have to keep in mind. But yeah, also a great place to quarantine, uh, not trying to be rubbing shoulders with anybody right now. So traveling in shoulder season or just off peak is an excellent, excellent idea. And, um, you know, a shoulder season like September and October, May and June in many places in North America, even South America, those two uh, little time periods are, are times you're going to find better deals on flights, etc. So um, do your research. Make sure you know what you're getting into as far as weather goes. And uh, if you like to take photographs, you're going to have a lot better chance of not having tourists in them. So look for off-season deals. Uh, if you're traveling alone, you also want to consider how easy it is to meet people. So right now, this is a guide to solo travel, but right now uh, I'm with my wife and daughter. So yeah, we have our we have a family. So it's not like I'm single guy sitting here writing in uh, a beach house, which it would be a great place if I really wanted to focus, but I might go a little bit insane. So consider if there's going to be stuff to do. Uh, I could be making more of an effort, of course, to go out right now, but uh, I got an infant on my hand, so I'm not doing that. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, other examples of off-season, right? Um, places like Costa Rica and Mexico can be fantastic in late note, uh, late November and early April after the Easter holiday. So yeah, really do some Googling and figure out when these places have peak rates, off-season, shoulder rates, uh, and a lot of times, all right, figure out when that off-peak time starts and sign up for that first week, if you are, if you will. All right, geo-arbitrage. This is a concept, a uh, term popularized by the lifestyle guru Tim Ferriss in the 4-Hour Workweek. Uh, he encouraged readers to make their money in a developed country like the United States with a strong currency and then explore a place with a cheaper cost of living, living and traveling. Some of my favorite inexpensive places to travel are Brazil, Colombia, Peru, uh, Nicaragua, uh, Mexico, of course, Central Europe, Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia. All these places uh, are excellent for being able to take advantage of strong currency uh, that I get paid in and then pay it out in a weaker currency where cost of living is less expensive. Um, 
And keep in mind that some of these places are cheap to get to, some of these places are not cheap to get to. Uh, but you'll want to do something, uh, and that is calculate the cost per day of your trip. So we're going to discuss transportation and accommodation options um, a little bit later, but it's important to understand that if you want to be mind, you want to be mindful of your cost per day to travel. So a week-long trip to Iceland might have a super high cost per day versus a month-long trip to Thailand. You might pay the same to go to a week to Iceland and a month to Thailand. Um, you're probably going to spend a few thousand dollars on either one. So uh, yeah, simple, simple math equation, add up the cost of what you think your trip is going to be and divide it by the number of days and you know, you're going to realize that some places are just much less expensive per day to travel to. Uh, a good solo traveler knows that they are solely responsible for their finances, right? I'm talking about people going by themselves. Remember, you're traveling without your parents, significant other, or business-minded friend. In my book, The Millennial Travel Guidebook, I have many strategies on how to take how to save money, make travel a priority in your life if you want to dive into this topic further. Uh, then I share strategies on becoming a digital nomad, freelancer, negotiating remote work, and joining the location independence movement. So, solo female travel tips. You might be wondering, uh, dude, you're a guy. What do you know about solo female travel? Uh, but I will say that 70% of our travelers at under 30 experiences are solo female travelers. And well, being co-founder and CEO of the uh, group travel company under 30 experiences has given me a lot of experience uh, when it comes to solo female travel. So uh, let's see, travel from what I hear, right? Traveling alone as a female is empowering. My wife will tell you that, absolutely. Uh, having the courage to step outside of your comfort zone, face your fears, and challenge yourself can help you learn more about yourself and the world. However, it is common for some women to feel nervous or intimidated about traveling solo. Recent travel industry study found that 86% of women state that they are not afraid to travel, regardless of what is going on in the world today. Uh, and that is not a COVID quote, by the way. Uh, that was a pre-COVID quote. 73% of women feel that travel has made them stronger, and 69% of women draw inspiration from travel. And I can relate to both of those things. So male or female, it doesn't really matter. I think that these things hold true. Um, there are tons of other female solo tra travel stats out there. We don't have time to get into them right now, but if you're staying home, you're simply missing out. So challenges and fears of female travelers. And if you're not female and listening, this section will be pretty short, but these are fears that are, are really held by everyone. Uh, let's get the scary stuff out of the way, shall we? Females are often have a different set of challenges than their male counterparts, um, including having overprotected people in their life who think they know what's best for them. In our experience as a company, 
that caters to female solo travelers, many women fear personal safety, getting lost, not knowing language, and not being able to meet other people. Men, on the other hand, often suffer from an ability to plan in advance, fear of taking off time from work, and reluctance to spend their savings. Now that we've become aware of our often subconscious concerns, let's plan to leave our limiting beliefs at home and address them head on. Uh, how many times have you really wanted to do something, but your friends weren't interested? Solo travel allows you to try new things without being tied down to other people's desires. Your friends might be busy working, saving money, your schedule's not it might not align, which is the whole reason why I started Under 30 Experiences, right? But it's time you stopped waiting for your friends to travel or worse yet, a significant other to ask you to go somewhere. Ladies, you do not need to wait to be asked to travel. There are so many benefits to traveling solo, but perhaps the greatest benefit is personal growth. Leaving your home country for the first time can spark self-discovery, independence, improved confidence. You'll be forced to mingle with strangers, navigate a new country, and possibly dabble in a new language. Not only does solo female travel help you learn about yourself, but it also gives you the unique opportunity to reinvent yourself. While traveling, you can be whoever you want to be. You might even be surprised on who that person really is. And I'm speaking from first-hand experience, as a man, of course. So many female solo travelers in our community report that traveling alone is empowering, builds confidence, and can teach valuable skills like problem solving. It's time to, you embraced your independence and did something for yourself. Handful of solo traveler communities we recommend Girls Love Travel, Young Travelers Network. Uh, Young Travelers Network was started by Gabby Beckford at Pax Light, who we have a podcast interview with. Nomadic uh, Network, founded by Nomadic Matt, previous podcast guest as well. Uh, Female Digital Nomads is a uh, group of digital workers and, of course, under 30 experiences. And you can find all the links to these communities on the blog post under 30 experiences. And actually in the top right-hand corner, there's a pull-down that links directly to the solo travel guide. So your first trip, it might be important to you to convince the people that in your life that you're traveling alone, that it's going to be okay. If this is the case, then I'd recommend a shorter trip that costs less and isn't too intimidating as travel author Author Gregory Deal told me, look to travel one step out of your comfort zone. Perhaps for you, this means joining a group trip where you can tell all your friends and family you'll be with a local guide who works for a well-reviewed company that takes travel seriously. Uh, while many first-time travelers decide to travel in the United States or to another English-speaking country like England, Ireland, Scotland, or Belize, right? There's a Central American country that is English-speaking. This way, you'll be able to avoid the language barrier and the excessive culture shock. Convincing loved ones you'll be okay is about showing them a plan so they can rest assured that you will be safe on your trip. 
Having a clear itinerary and staying in reputable hostels that cater to solo travelers will give you more of a soft landing. Show your significant other, friends, and family a well-built website that shows exactly where you'll be staying. Going on a retreat or joining a trusted volunteer program is another great way to show stakeholders in your life that you are heading off to better yourself, not just frivolously spending your savings. And don't worry, while it's really good to have a plan right now, especially if this is your first trip, we'll be encouraging you to get off the beaten path as best as possible, and you don't always have to stick to the plan once you have some experience. All right, tips for making friends while traveling. As a solo traveler, it's a great idea to book a hostel where there'll be other solo travelers. This way, you'll increase your chances of making friends and finding people to split the costs of taxis or other activities with. You might want to find a buddy who wants to go hiking or surfing, two activities that are safer when done with someone else. When I travel alone, I really enjoy going to restaurants, coffee shops, like I said, and can sit at the bar and chat with the people around me. Bartenders and baristas are often excellent sources of information about what's going on locally. I also try to stop into local outdoor shops, bike shops, surf shops to ask for recommendations. Uh, Oftentimes these people are excellent in there and they're just bored, you know, outdoor enthusiasts who are waiting for someone to come and talk to them. So uh, I've gotten some really great tips. This summer I was in Jackson, Wyoming, started talking to the guys about uh, what the best trail, their favorite trails in Grand Teton National Park were, how they liked living in Jackson, where I should go to lunch, just started chatting with them. And it was a great local perspective, which I could never have found on TripAdvisor. Uh, Of course, you can join a group trip, day trips like snorkeling, fishing, whitewater rafting, canyoning. These are great ways to meet other travelers. You don't have to to hire a guide just for yourself, which is difficult or or costly, uh, obviously. And this also gets you to meet other people. Just asking people, hey, can I take that photo for you, you know? That's really helpful, and it's a great conversation starter, asking people, hey, how long's your trip, or where else are you going on your trip? Um, Hey, have you done anything else in the local area that you'd recommend? Uh, You'll hear this conversation a lot in hostile common areas. So, and hey, by the way, uh, you don't need to hang out in your room, right? If you want to make friends, hang out, like, Sit at the at the bar, or at the coffee shop, or at the common area if you want to meet people. You're not going to meet anybody in your room. Just saying. Um, all right, safety. I'm big on safety, so let's get after it. Safety in groups. Obviously, there is strength in numbers, which is why we believe that traveling in groups is one of the safest ways to travel. Your group should be led by a guide who's experienced in the local region, give you guidelines about safety in the local area, uh, knows where to go out at night, where to avoid, how to stay safe during doing outdoor activities. This person should be very well trained. Uh, when you travel with a group, you're just less vulnerable and you're uh, and you'll more easily 
be able to find a buddy if you want to break off from the group and go explore on your own. So uh, safety trips while abroad. It's a good idea to try to blend in and not look out of place. Uh, leave your flashy jewelry and expensive belongings at home. Your valuables locked in the safe at your accommodations. These are pretty common sense things, but you don't want to be an easy target. If you're carrying your camera, keep it hidden in your bag whenever possible. Try not to walk around with a large bag that makes you look like a tourist waiting for a thief to take advantage of you. Uh, remember, you probably have things that locals may not have the means to purchase depending on where you're travel traveling, but as we see, as we know, inequality is a big thing in just about any major city. So uh, do your best to be aware, just like you were in New York or Los Angeles or wherever. Be sure that you know what your local emergency numbers are. Does 911 work where you are? You should probably know that. Uh, have the name and phone number of your hotel written down just in case your phone battery dies. Most hotels have a little uh, business card at the front desk. Grab one, keep it in your pocket. It really can't hurt. Um, you know, having the phone number to your local embassy is important as well. Keep this in any travel documents that you might bring. Uh, and we recommend reading international or signing up for international travel alerts from the U.S. State Department. Uh, probably anybody can sign up for those. You don't have to be a U.S. citizen, I doubt. And uh, U.S. citizens can sign up for the Smart Traveler Program, S-T-E-P. All right. Outdoor safety tips. Whether you're surfing, boating, hiking, or engaging in whatever outdoor activity, it's important that you check the weather forecast and let someone know where you're going to be and when you plan to be back. If you see dark clouds ahead, it's just best to turn back. Yeah, I know it can ruin your day. It's disappointing. You might be doing a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but most once-in-a-lifetime things are not actually once-in-a-lifetime. Uh, if you cut your own life short, well, then uh, I guess it was once-in-a-lifetime. Anyway, that was dark. If you were with a local tour operator, horseback riding, snorkeling, whitewater rafting, or doing anything with a decent degree of risk, be sure you assess the situation yourself. Take personal responsibility, right? The guide that you're with probably wants to get paid for the day. He might be more comfortable doing riskier things than you are. So use your traveler's intuition, speak up, and ask questions. All right. Wondering where to travel? I have a lot in this article about where to travel, uh, but I'm going to break these up into sub sections. I'll give you maybe a little bit of a, a teaser, some of my favorite places right now, but uh, we're going to have subsequent episodes on where to go. So United States and Canada, Seattle and Portland is, is just incredible. Uh, all this outdoor stuff, Mount Hood, Mount Rainier, Olympic National Park, uh, North Cascades National Park is all incredible in the Pacific Northwest. Of course, you can work your way down to San Francisco. Uh, you have Yosemite and Tahoe there. Tons of wine tasting in Napa and Marin. LA, of course. Uh, Pacific Coast Highway is on my bucket list. You know, uh, I would love to get out to the Channel Islands National Park at some point. I went to San Diego uh, recently for 
a, a bachelor party, and that was a blast. Uh, we had a really good time. Uh, Joshua Tree, spending a night in Palm Springs. These are all, you know, fantastic ideas. There's so much to explore in the United States. I got to the Southwest this summer and, uh, yeah, could not recommend it more. Of course, you have Grand Canyon, Navajo Country, Arches National Park, which I absolutely loved. Canyonlands is right there as well. I went to Park City, Utah. Uh, there's tons of hiking near Las Vegas. Then we got up to Yellowstone, Grand Tetons National Park. We ended in Big Sky in Bozeman, Montana. Um, you have Denver and the whole front range of the Rockies. Shout out to Austin, Texas, uh, which everyone has heard about at this point, but plenty of nature um, right there in the city with Lady Bird Lake and the Greenbelt Trail System. You can paddle and ki kayak and, and canoe, cycle uh, all around the, the big lake in the middle of the city. Um, you know, some other cities, of course, New Orleans has so much culture. Chicago is amazing, especially in the summer. Portland, Maine, going up the coast to Bar Harbor and Acadia National Park. Of course, you have the beast of New York City, uh, where I, I used to live, um, lived in lower Manhattan. I would highly suggest walking over the Brooklyn Bridge to Dumbo, Brooklyn, uh, from the Chinatown area of, of Manhattan. You can get out to Montauk um, or get upstate to the Hudson Valley via Metro North. You've got Asheville, North Carolina, really up-and-coming city in the Appalachians, uh, Great, Smoke, Great Smoky Mountain National Park, uh, somewhere that I'm going to try to get to next summer. I haven't been yet, but Under 30 Experiences is running a trip there. You've got Florida, uh, of course, becoming more popular uh, post-COVID, but Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach. I grew up going to the Keys. I would suggest I Am Morada, um, and Marathon, Key Largo, all just incredible places. These are Caribbean islands in the United States. Um, whew, I've been to Alaska a few times, and just it's just absolutely mind-blowing. you got the Kenai Fjords, little towns of Homer and Seward. Um, I got up to Talkeetna, Denali National Park. Uh, and then there is, um, I don't actually know how to pronounce it, but Wrangell St. Ilias National Park and Preserve, which is a really uh, great inland route. And well, for podcast listeners, I'll tell them that we are working on that for under 30 experiences. So a little tidbit that you get for listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast uh, before the rest of the community finds out about it. Whew, Hawaii, man. Uh, the Big Island is where I really want to go. I've been all around Oahu. Uh, people really rave about Ma Maui as well. But I want to see this this lava. Of course, there's amazing surf. you got the rainforest. Uh, I need to eat more tuna pokey. All that kind of stuff. Um, really great place for, for living a healthy lifestyle. And whew, Canada, it's amazing huge country and um yeah there's so much to see but i have a ultimate guide to solo travel in the united states that i am absolutely going to uh do a podcast on and let you know all my recommendations more in depth 
All right, so the next section here is solo travel destinations in Mexico, Central America, and the Caribbean. I just got done writing a massive guide on this, so I'm not going to go into too much detail because that will be a subsequent podcast, uh, but I highly recommend Mexico City. Really had a great time. I didn't feel unsafe once. I stayed in the neighborhood of Roma, and I saw a Lucha Libre wrestling match, uh, amazing tacos. Uh, we went to Bosque de Chapultepec, which is a, uh, actually, I don't know if that's a Mayan, it's not a Mayan word, maybe an Aztec word. I'll have to get back to you on that. Maybe it's a Spanish word, who knows? Um, but that area is uh, this amazing castle where you can get to look uh, down on the entire city. And uh, Coyoacan is another really great area where the uh, Frito Kahlo Museum is. And then if you can get out to uh, the Pyramid of the Sun, that is an excellent little day trip. So uh, I also hi highlighted the Yucatan Peninsula. Really encourage people to stay away from Cancun, Playa del Carmen, and Tulum. Uh, a lot of greenwashing in this area, something I don't agree with where they are, you know, they try to be these sustainable uh, places, uh, but they're just not that eco-friendly. They're eco-chic uh, for what it's worth. But a lot of the places um, there, especially in Tulum on the beach, they're just run on diesel generators. So I don't see how that is sustainable. Uh, but I go, I go into that more in my uh, I'll go into that more in another podcast episode, but the Yucatan is an amazing area, incredible Mayan ruins. Um, there's Chichen Itza, of course, uh, but there's better undiscovered ones. I would say in Guatemala, uh, I would really consider that um, if you go over across the border, uh, yeah, there's, there's really cool Mayan ruins there. I would stay in the Flores area. Um, and then the other two big hotspots in Guatemala are Lake Atitlan and Antigua. And uh, yeah, those are, are pretty cool areas. You can combine that uh, with a trip to Belize. And that's geez, one of my very favorite places in Central America, uh, if not the world. Key Cocker, uh, Ambergris Key, and yeah, it's just amazing laid back area. The, the snorkeling is unbelievable. I've never been out to the Blue Hole. Um, it's not a place to snorkel. I'm not a scuba diver, but if you are going to go out to the Blue Hole, uh, you should dive. It's not a snorkeling location, and uh, or you could take like a flight or a helicopter, but this is the second largest uh, barrier reef in the world, so uh, an, a ton to explore the uh, the underwater world. And then last two countries moving down the backpacker trail uh, south of Guatemala, of course, you have Honduras, which isn't known for being the safest country. Uh, I do go into Roatan in my guide to Central America, Mexico, and the Caribbean, which you can find on under30experiences.com slash blog. But Nicaragua is one of my very favorite countries. Just has so much, so much character. Uh, it's very raw. It has amazing colonial architecture, volcanoes. Uh, the beaches in the San Juan del Sur area are really amazing. A surfer, so uh, yeah, love that area, of course. Um, 
yeah, there's a, a ton of, of amazing stuff to say, uh, to see. And then my really, uh, geez, I wasn't born there, but I spent seven or eight years down in Costa Rica. And yeah, just can't say enough good things about the country. It um, yeah, has, yeah, has volcanoes, beaches, lush, lush rainforest. You have the Caribbean side. Um, I would add Bocas del Toro, Panama, Panama to uh, your itinerary if you are a younger traveler. It definitely has a young vibe, more of a party vibe. Um, fun, fun place. And uh, yeah, that about wraps up um, Central America. Sorry for that Slack notification you guys just heard. Uh, all right, solo travel destinations in South America. I'm just about doing this. Probably by the time this comes up, just about done, it'll be up on under30experiences.com slash blog. But I wrote a massive guide to South America, which I'm pretty familiar with. Um, I run through starting in Colombia, uh, of course, and yeah, run through Bogota, Medellin. Uh, Medellin has amazing weather. It's also very lush. It's in this beautiful valley. Um, I would definitely see Cartagena, try to stay within the walls. If you can, of the old city, uh, there's an amazing fort there. Um, and if you can get out to Tyrona National Park or hike the Lost City Trek, that is one area that's on my bucket list that I have not been. Um, I would move down, if I were you, to Ecuador, uh, amazing country as well. Again, uh, so many different regions with the volcanic uh, jungle and rainforest inside. They have highlands. Quito is a beautiful city, especially at night. I was really impressed. Uh, amazing food and culture there. And then, of course, the Galapagos Islands. Um, I did spend some time in Guayaquil, uh, not too much. The little area uh, along, there's like a malecon, like a boardwalk along the water. Um, yeah, that was that was nice to see. Uh, and then there was a more historic part. Stayed in this crazy old, jeez, uh, I think it was a, owned by a rubber plantation. It was a mansion. Um, I stayed in one of the rooms and I think it was owned by a rubber plantation owner from the early 1900s crazy kind of haunted place. Uh, anyway, then there are the Galapagos Islands. Um, can't rave enough about the Galapagos. Try to do them as sustainably as possible. This is such a fragile ecosystem. Uh, so yeah, be, be careful out there. Uh, please don't touch the wildlife. Do swim with the sharks. See the marine iguanas, Darwin's finches. Understand uh, where the theory of evolution comes from because all these animals evolved on their own out there in the Galapagos. Okay, uh, moving from Ecuador down to another one of my favorite countries, Peru. Wow, uh, Lima can be very overwhelming, uh, a lot of traffic, but definitely go to Centro, uh, like the, the main area where you'll see all the government buildings, see the changing of the guards. Um, the changing of the guard, well, there are multiple guards, but uh, however the expression goes. Uh, you can check out my South America guide. I give a recommendation for a great little restaurant there where all the presidents have eaten and uh, yeah, I mean, you have Amazon rainforest, 
in Peru, of course, you have the Sacred Valley and Machu Picchu, uh, which are honestly, I think that the Sacred Valley and Cusco, right, the capital of the Incan Empire, are so stunning that it makes Machu Picchu just the cherry on top, just the icing on the cake, if you will, because yeah, Machu Picchu is one of the new seven wonders of the world. Everybody wants to come and see this place. It can get extremely crowded. Um, and, you know, it's easy to forget that this is an incredible, incredibly sacred place uh, to the Incan people. So just keep that in mind when you go and visit. But it is hard to take a bad picture. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, okay, then from Peru, I would continue south. Uh, of course, you can go through Bolivia. I believe there's a $160 visa for uh, U.S. citizens still, so that makes it a little bit cost prohibitive. Um, it's a uh, less developed country than even Peru, but get out to Lake Titicaca if you can and uh, see, yeah, see this amazing freshwater lake, the indigenous people who live on the islands. Um, and yeah, you can cross over into Bolivia, but then I would try to get down to Chile. Uh, Chile is where my wife is from. And uh, well, I have actually not been yet, but I've heard a lot. And for my South America guide, I checked a lot of sources, uh, a lot of local sources. Her parents have been all over this country um, and it's, it's beautiful. It's probably more diverse than the United States. Um, I have to get back. Maybe United States is more diverse because we have uh, like Caribbean, Florida Keys type area, but Chile has just about everything else. But Patagonia is on my bucket list as well as the Atacama Desert. Um, if you can get off way off the coast in the Pacific Islands. We're talking about the Polynesian Triangle, where the mysterious Easter Island is, is uh, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Um, I would loop down from Patagonia, right? This is, we're just going on a dream trip through South America right now, but I would loop down through Patagonia on the uh, Chilean side, and then I would come back up, right? into the Argentinian side and see that side of Patagonia, which uh, will not disappoint. I am sure of it. I would go then up to Buenos Aires. I have plans at the end of this year, uh, which came about actually from writing this guide. Gonna take a little, uh, little trip at the end of the year, uh, which I'm pretty excited about, but there's so much to do in Buenos Aires. It's a very European city. Obviously, settlers came straight across the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, it's they pride themselves on being like the, the Paris of South America. You're going to see also Portuguese influence there, um, also influences from, from all over Europe, but just really great architecture and uh, yeah, tons of <laughs> great place to go and eat and drink. Of course, they're known for their red wine and uh, red meat as well. So from there, I would go up to Iguazu Falls. I hope my geography, I don't have a map out, but I hope my geography uh, serves me well. I think it does. You would be going north up to Iguazu Falls. Uh, I would spend a couple days up here uh, hiking through this national park, going to both sides. 
uh, of the falls, of course. And you also could go to Paraguay. Actually, I didn't mention this. I'm, I'm really going uh, off script at this point. But when you are in Buenos Aires, you can go across to Uruguay. I get Paraguay and, and Uruguay. Sorry, sometimes it's hard to for me to make the English pronunciations, but uh, I get those two countries mixed up. But you go across to Uruguay uh, from Buenos Aires on a day trip, which might be pretty cool. Uh, but then when you're up at Iguazu, this is where Paraguay and Brazil and Argentina all come together. I had to think about that for a second. Uh, but explore both sides of the park. The national parks are on the Argentinian side and then the Brazilian side. Um, I don't know actually anything about going over to Paraguay or what is there, uh, but something to look into on your own. And then I would fly up uh, to Brazil. I would go right to Rio de Janeiro, a place that I absolutely loved. Um, whew, the beaches, Ipanema, Copacabana, uh, of course, Christ the Redeemer, get there early, beat the crowds, Brazilian steakhouses, drink Caprinis, um, check out the Santa Teresa neighborhood, get up north uh, to Chapada Diam. Ooh, it's not Spanish word, Chapada Diamantina National Park. And um, <laughs> the level of English in Brazil is very low. But if you know Spanish, you can uh, kind of speak what they call portanol, which is uh, it's basically Spanglish. So if you were an English speaker going to a Spanish speaking country, you might try some Spanglish out. But uh, portanol in Brazil really does get you by. So Portuguese and Spanish are, are very, very similar. And uh, there's a couple tricks you can learn to kind of convert one language to the other. So. Uh, all right, I'm going to speed things up a little bit through Europe, solo travel destinations. If you're looking to come from the United States or Canada, you're an English speaker, this is your first country, I mean, go through the UK and Ireland, right? Uh, there's no language barrier. Just uh, beautiful countries, um, you know, more similar to home, not a lot of culture shock, but uh, I would, of course, see the attractions in London. But what I did was I took the Virgin train up to Wales and basically this train just meanders through the English countryside. You get to see tons of sheep and um, we got to Wales, got to check that out and uh, I, what I skipped was Scotland. This is one of the only countries that under 30 experiences goes that I have not been. But uh, Jared, my co-founder, absolutely raves about Fort William and uh, Edinburgh. It just really outdoorsy uh, places. So it can kind of be compared to Iceland at times. You're very far, far north. I uh, think of Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings type looking scenes. Um, that's amazing if you like the outdoors. I took the train from Wales, uh, excuse me, I took a ferry from Wales and arrived Dublin uh, by boat, which was a thrill. The water was rough. Those Irish people know how to get down on that ferry. They have a lot of drunk people, not to throw around Irish stereotypes, but um, 
That is, people are really walking funny, <laughs> getting their sea legs underneath them, uh, coming off that <laughs> off that ferry. But yeah, Dublin is a really charming city. It can be crowded, so try to stay. Uh, I would say stay away from St. Stephen's area uh, where the university is if you can. Try to stay out a little bit. Uh, Wicklow is an amazing area. Um, Bray is a really great area. Uh, there is a little hike that we do on our Under 30 Experiences Ireland trip to the north. The, name's, the name escapes me, uh, but it's just a short light rail away from Dublin. Um, the Wild Atlantic Way, you got the Cliffs of Moher, so can't recommend those countries uh, enough. Kilkenny Castle. Go and see it. Um, Spain, you have Madrid, uh, you have Cadiz at the beach, you have uh, flamenco dancing in uh, Seville. There's so much to see. Uh, you can make your way to Granada, uh, the Alhambra Palace, then to Barcelona. Um, definitely check out the neighborhood of Gracia. Uh, keep in mind that people will like to speak uh, Catalonian here and uh, not just Spanish. I have no hacks for Catalonian. It doesn't look anything familiar <laughs> to me. Uh, to me, it looks like a mix of Spanish and French, but um, that is just my untrained eye. Okay, France. Uh, definitely quit that vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free diet before you get to France. It is a foodie's paradise. Uh, French baguettes, pen au chocolat, all that good stuff, escargot, steak tartare. Spent about six months in Paris and really enjoyed it. Uh, really it took time to enjoy. I'm not a city person, but that is a hell of a city, I'll tell you that. Uh, get down to Burgundy, have amazing wine, uh, cook, take a cooking lesson. There's so many towns in the small in the French countryside to explore. They're all named after famous foods, right? Dijon is where mustard comes from. You got Champagne where, who knew, Champagne comes from. Uh, you know, you're gonna see names of wine that you probably have enjoyed at home. Uh, and there are dots on a map in France. So you got Italy, catch a flight to Rome, Venice, or Milan. Uh, embrace the slow food movement. <laughs> Please enjoy it. I know we're bouncing all over the world. And by this point in this podcast, you're saying, oh my God, so many places to see so little time and money. But in my opinion, it's better to just go to a place and truly enjoy it. Get to know it a little bit. Stay longer if you can, right? Uh, don't just check things off your off your list or your bucket list. Uh, you can't go wrong in Rome seeing things like the Colosseum, Pantheon, Trevi Fountain, uh, the Vatican. I know I've said several times that places were my favorite in the world, but sitting at the Trevi Fountain, that place is amazing. Uh, get off the beaten path a little bit. Check out the Frasassi Caves, Marmor Waterfalls, if you like uh, wildlife or, excuse me, wilderness. Iceland, a country very special to me. Uh, waterfalls, glaciers, volcanoes, rainbows, sheep. This was my first trip as a solo traveler and I absolutely loved it. Made me fall in love with travel. Have this story you've probably heard on a previous podcast, looking out over the, wait for it, Eyjafjallajökull volcano. That wasn't as good as I used to be. I gotta, I gotta 
continue to practice that. I've practiced it many, many times in Iceland, uh, mainly over beers. And, you know, there's actually a little bit of a slur to the world word, Eyjafjallajökull, at the end. And, uh, you know, drink enough Viking beers and you get pretty good at it. So I would go in the summer. I mean, the Northern Lights are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but I really enjoyed just made a lot of Icelandic friends out there and they are just so happy in the uh, summertime. You know, it's almost 24 hours of daylight. It is 24 hours of daylight in some parts of Iceland. So, I mean, it doesn't get dark. So that's, that's, that's really something to see. Uh, but fall and winter, northern lights. Go prepared, pack lots of layers. Uh, you are going to Iceland. Greece. Uh, Fly into Athens, see the birthplace of civilization, the Acropolis, Parth Parthenon. Never said that word out loud, I don't think. Uh, H and Agora. Then make your way to the to the ferry and uh, start island hopping. Paros, Naxos, uh, Santorini are three of our favorites. For Central Europe, this is an itinerary we are working on for under 30 experiences, but you have uh, Prague, Vienna, and Budapest. Going for the Christmas night markets is supposed to be really amazing, but um, you're talking about microbreweries, the Prague Castle, uh, the Gothic architecture, uh, Hofburg Palace in Vienna, uh, go for river cruise in Budapest. There's amazing food. I'm also uh, in the process of creating, maybe I'm giving away too many secrets, but a Croatia itinerary. And uh, we've been working with some people over there who have suggested coming into Split and going out of Dubrovnik. Uh, and there's we just have kayaking and sailing and cruising all lined up through the Croatian islands, which I'm, I'm really excited about, and, uh, and some hikes. All right, let's change it up to Asia. Japan. This is one of the safest countries for solo travelers, known for its polite people. Uh, Flying to Tokyo, taste authentic sushi. Uh, I'm not gonna try to pronounce all of these words. I did start studying a little Japanese, but uh, I can't count to over a thousand, but I cannot pronounce anything. Uh, there's amazing fish market there, different shrines. Uh, the Electric Town, you know, is, is a hub for J-pop, anime, uh, manga, so many things that you, you've heard about or you've, you've read about. Um, I mean, a sumo wrestling match, <laughs> going to see uh, Mount Fuji out there and one of their national parks. We can ride the bullet train to Kyoto. Uh, there's uh, incredible temples. Again, I would love to spend a little time on a monastery uh, out there studying some Zen. Karaoke is one of Japan's favorite pastimes. My brother has a ton of uh, Japanese friends and they love to go out for karaoke, which is always a fun time. Japan also has great beaches in Okinawa. Okin Okinawa, excuse me, as well as excellent skiing in the northern region of the country. Fun fact, a lot of uh, people from Hawaii actually go to Japan to go out and ski. All right, China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Uh, a lot of people, solo travelers specifically, may be hesitant to travel to China alone, um, but Hong Kong and Taiwan 
offer great starter locations because uh, they allow you to understand Chinese culture and influence probably without the amount of uh, overwhelm that you might experience going to China. Uh, and if you do go to China, focus on the thousands of years of history, the Great Wall of China, the Forbidden City, Tiananmen Square, the Terracotta Army, all that stuff. In Hong Kong, uh, I would go up to Victoria Peak. I love seeing these cities from above. There's uh, bays in Hong Kong. And of course, the largest Buddha in the world is there in Hong Kong. And then in Taiwan, go up the Taipei 101 and get dumplings at Din Tai Fung. You will not regret these dumplings, I swear to you. All right, Thailand, amazing country. Everybody's heard good things about it. Uh, flying to Bangkok. Definitely is overwhelming, but do uh, do the best that you can. Try to get to some of these tourist attractions early, especially if you go to the Grand Palace or the reclining Buddhas. What I really enjoyed doing was go, I would go to these uh, temples and yeah, I would, I would see the sites, take my pictures, uh, read a little bit about it. And then I would just duck off somewhere and I would try to listen to the monks chant and I would sit and meditate and you can just sit there. And it's, it's just really amazing. I really enjoyed meditating in temples in the middle of uh, Bangkok. It just gave some, I mean, this is just me, right? Probably with my foot flops on, take them off go into the temple, sit down cross-legged, close your eyes, and uh, just take it in for a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, it gave me some sanity in this big, crazy city. And of course, you gotta get a massage. All right, um, take the overnight train up to Ayutthaya. I hope I pronounced that correctly, and continue your journey to Chiang Mai. Learn about elephant conservation. Please don't ride the elephants, and go to a place that you have checked out uh, that really, that rescues these beautiful animals. And finally, end your trip in Krabby. Um, down, go on a long tail boat, do a little rock climbing and enjoy this country. It's, it's pretty incredible, stunning, stunning cliffs in this area. Vietnam and Cambodia. These two countries are often visited together because of their proximity to one another. Uh, I would fly into southern Vietnam's Ho Chi Minh City, also known as Saigon. You can cycle through the countryside of the Mekong Delta, uh, catch a flight to Cambodia, visit Siem Reap, Angkor Wat. Get off the beaten path in Cambodia because that country is still unspoiled in a lot of places. A amazing place for solo travelers on a budget. Uh, Indonesia also, uh, we benefit from a great exchange rate if you're coming from the United States or other Western countries. Indonesia has become world famous for the unique culture on the island of Bali. Uh, again, try to get off the beaten path here in Bali. Uh, I would not suggest going to Seminyak and Kuta. Really uh, can be quite a party place. Lots of big bus Chinese uh, tourist attractions and um, party place for Australians. But if you get into the rice paddies like up outside of Ubud, it really is uh, amazing. And there's just so much culture to be had, um, to be experienced rather. Uh, but I would go to the island of 
Java. I might skip Jakarta. I spent a few weeks in Jakarta. It wasn't my favorite city, um, but I would definitely check out Yogyakarta. Uh, there's 500 Hindu temples in this temple complex. Uh, the Sultan of Yogyakarta's palace is something you must go and do. Uh, try to get out to the Julie Islands or Lombok. Um, and again, try, try not to contribute to over-tourism in uh, some of the places, especially during peak season, which you're talking about July and August. All right, uh, moving through the rest of the world, trying to keep this short. Australia, right, is an amazing country as well, about as big as the United States. Don't quote me on that. Um, but it would be a good place once you get there for a first-time traveler because English speaking, right, uh, and not a lot of... Culture shock has the comforts of home. It's one of the most expensive countries in the world, uh, but it is possible to do it on a budget. Uh, you, of course, in Sydney, you have the Opera House, Harbour Bridge, the Fish Market, you have Brisbane's Gold Coast, um, some incredible sand dunes, Mission Beach, the Great Barrier Reef. This is making me want to go and uh, try to get to the center of Australia where they have a national park and you can understand the significance uh, to the indigenous people. New Zealand, if you've got the time and the money, uh, head to New Zealand and try to get to the South Island. I would fly directly to Christchurch to explore uh, the ecotourism capital of New Zealand. Take that transalpine train journey. It's one of the top train journeys in the world. Uh, get to Franz Joseph's temperate forests. See that Wanaka tree. Uh, Whew, the national parks out there, Rob Roy Glacier, make your way to Queenstown, learn about the Maori. Uh, it's an incredible country. I can't wait to go. I have not been to New Zealand yet. All right, Africa and the Middle East. Uh, some people have apprehension about this area, especially with the culture shock and uh, people trying, people being quite aggressive in some areas, trying to sell you things. Um, I've heard that about the country of Jordan and uh, as well as Morocco. And uh, definitely females are, are more apprehensive to go here, but if you can find a way to go or bring a friend or you're brave, it's not, uh, the places that I'm, I'm listing are not overly dangerous, uh, just a lot of them are intimidating. So, uh, flying to Marrakesh, right? There's palaces, beautiful squares. Uh, you're thinking about scenes out of Aladdin here. Um, try to escape the city to the high Atlas Mountains for some hiking. Brett, ride camels in the Sahara Desert uh, and, and up and down the dunes, right? If you can go to Egypt, another incredibly culturally rich place as I'm sure you already know. Pyramids of Giza, the Sphinx, go down the Nile River on a Felucha sailing boat, uh, ride a camel in Luxor Valley. Whew, just understand the ancient history uh, of this incredible place. As a little teaser, I am putting together a Jordan itinerary for under 30 experiences at the moment. Uh, fly into Amman and wander through Rainbow Street uh, down to this famous mosque, travel to Wadi Rum, 
and stay in a desert camp run by the desert dwellers, uh, visit Petra, see the seven world, seven pillars of wisdom. I can't wait to get to Petra myself. Another country that I would love to get to, we are moving much down the continent to Tanzania. Uh, I would visit Zanzibar on the Indian Ocean, known for its spice trade, incredible beaches. You have elephants, giraffes, lions, leopards in Mikumi National Park. Uh, there's another national park in, in the Serengeti with zebra, wildebeest, rhino. And if you're hardcore, uh, get up Mount Kilimanjaro. All right, Kenya from Tanzania. I would get to Kenya, to Nairobi for a wildlife safari. Uh, safari. Understand the local culture of the Maasai people to their national reserve. Lake Nakuru, I hope I'm saying that right, where you have the best chance of seeing the big five animals, lions, leopards, rhinoceros. <laughs> Wanted to say rhinoceri. Elephant in Cape Buffalo. And bonus points if you get to Uganda to see, to see gorillas. All right, finally, South Africa. This incredibly diverse country has the big five animals that I just listed. But you also have Cape Town, Johannesburg. Uh, you have the coast around Cape Peninsula, Cape Point Na Nature Reserve, the Cape of Good Hope. Take the cable car up to the top of Table Mountain, uh, Robin Island, and see where Nelson Mandela spent time in prison. Uh, really tons of history and um, recent history to understand. That concludes the section on where to travel. Now I'm going to wrap it up uh, with some tips here on how to make this happen for you. All right, passports and visas. So a lot of countries you can be automatically admitted under visa-free travel. My best advice is just to Google where you want to go and if you need a visa, depending on what country you're from. So if you do need a visa to a place like India or China, you can use Visa HQ or CIBT to do the paperwork for you. If you don't have a passport yet, uh, I would get on this as soon as possible. Um, you should probably do it by mail. Unless it is an emergency, then you can do it in person. You can expedite it, but it still may for take four to six weeks. And not having a passport doesn't mean that you cannot travel. You can still have a warm-up trip, go domestically, just get started, just book something. That's what I would suggest. So finding the best flight deals, when to book flights. It's safe to say the last minute deals on flights aren't what they used to be. Normally, airlines jack up the prices to take advantage of people who are traveling because of an emergency or having their company pay for the flight. That being said, look to book two to three months before your departure date. According to a cheapair.com airfare study, your prime booking window for international flights is two to three months away from your departure date. And for domestic flights, your prime booking window is three weeks to three months in advance. In general, you don't wanna to book too early or book too late. When to fly. According to kayak.com, 
travelers planning a week-long domestic trip should depart on a Saturday and return on a Monday to score the cheapest airfare. For international week-long trips, we recommend departing on a Tuesday and returning on Wednesday to save some money. Obviously, it's a good idea to avoid holidays. Solo travelers should look to fly when other people don't want to. Uh, when I was younger, I had more tolerance uh, for pain and sleep deprivation. I'd jump on any 6 a.m. departure or red eye that I could. All right, the best websites for booking flights. Love to tell you that there is a secret to finding great flights, but it's actually pretty simple. Find a flight booking engine that you like and then check individual airline websites who may not work with the search sites. So my two favorite, Google Flights and Skyscanner. However, Southwest, for example, does not work with Google Flights or sites like Expedia to keep the prices of the flights down and avoid paying them commission. Delta is also withholding some flights from these aggregators for the same reason. Apps and newsletters for finding deals on flights. If you're looking for great deals on flights, then consider signing up for a newsletter like Scott's Cheap Flights. It's, a full, it's full of daily deals departing from your city, and I had an awesome time learning from Scott and my interview with him on the Millennial Travel, uh, for the Millennial Travel Guidebook on the Millennial Travel Podcast. All right, accommodations for solo travelers, staying in hostels. I suggest staying in hostels if you're traveling alone. Why? Because in your Airbnb or in your hotel room, you're probably not gonna meet other people. Of course, you can meet other people if there's a host present at Airbnb, but hostels these days can be just as cool as any trendy coffee shop. Uh, they have nice little bars, some of them have co-working spaces. It's just a common environment to meet other people and you meet people from around the world. You get to talk to them about, hey, where are you going? What have you done? What would you suggest? You get all these firsthand tips. And uh, you know, a lot of us probably think of hostels as dirty, a lot of drunk people, random hookups. Uh, the dorm beds, etc. But you can book your own private room. Um, I would especially suggest booking a private room perhaps on the weekends when things are busier, when people are rowdier, when people are partying, and then maybe book uh, a shared room during the week uh, just to kind of hedge your bets and get a little bit better uh, sleep on the weekends if that's important to you. Uh, let's see what else for safety purposes female solo travelers should probably pick same-sex dorm rooms instead of mixed gender rooms just eliminates any chance uh, for weird things going on and uh, yeah that being that being said always just be aware of your surroundings and here's a little quick tip know that if you walk in off the street it's customary in most countries that I've been to anyway, for you to ask to see the dorm and for you to be in this. So they'll show you, hey, here's what our dorm looks like. And you can also ask how many people are in there. So if it's a six person dorm and there's only one other person in there, well then uh, you might wanna consider, oh, okay, yeah, it's not, might not fill up tonight. 
However, uh, especially if you're female, you want to watch out for that as well because now all of a sudden you're with one other person. So just, just some things to consider for safety. All right, camping. If you're looking to experience the great outdoors and stretch your travel budget, I highly recommend camping. I have friends who, when they travel, they only camp so that they can spend way more on other things like activities and food and drink, the things that are important to them. So uh, I would bring along a tent uh, when you travel and that just gets you a few extra days or maybe try to uh, camp camp on the weekends, like I said, and then stay uh, it, with a roof over your head other days, just different ways to make your budget last longer. Plus, camping is an amazing experience. So I, I highly recommend at least, uh, yeah, at least trying it out. If you've never camped, we have a great beginner's guide to camping. You can uh, get that on the Under 30 Experiences uh, blog. But spending time deeper in the wilderness. I mean, it's just amazing. You're alone under the stars. Uh, just make sure to tell someone where you're going when you'll return. This might be out of your comfort zone, but challenging yourself is, you know, one of the rewards of solo travel. So if you're traveling in an RV, you can try van life. Uh, you can rent a camper. There are public and private campsites. Oh, one thing I should mention is that in Europe, uh, you can pretty much camp on just about anywhere. Um, you know, it's it's a lot better if there's a farmer or something. Yeah, you should probably knock on his door and, and at least ask him. But it's not like in the United States where they're going to come out in a shotgun and tell you to get lost. So, um, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, there's a term called boondocking, which is for RVs and campers. And a lot of these people decide to sleep in Walmart, Walmart parking lots. Um, not my ideal campground, that's for sure. But if you're on a tight budget, you're trying to find a place, a free place to stay. Uh, yeah, you can you can consider it. And of course, another person who I've interviewed on the Millennial Travel Podcast is Casey Fenton, the founder of Couchsurfing. So check out their community if you're looking for free places to stay. All right, Airbnb. Probably everybody listening to this knows about Airbnb, but I always sort by unique stays. I look for nature lodges, organic farms, teepees, yurts, tiny houses, boats, all sorts of really cool stuff that you can find on there. And um, yeah, I, I just love to stay in, in unique places that really adds value uh, to the trip. Make sure that, as I mentioned before, if you want a helpful local around, uh, it's a good way to meet people. You can, you can just get a shared room. Um, I usually rent an entire place and have it to myself, so I have a quiet place to work, uh, especially if I'm traveling with family. But um, yeah, Airbnb, it's no secret. Uh, yeah, it's no secret by now, but really, really underrated, I think, is the local experiences that you can have. Uh, and then there's hotels. Hotels are my least favorite option. 
We try our best at under 30 experiences to select boutique accommodations that are locally owned, not the big box chains like Holiday Inn that you'll find in every country, but uh, we want the money to go to a local person, to a local family, not to a corporation, back to Wall Street, uh, et cetera. And um, yeah, if you're doing it, if you do stay in hotels, try to avoid the large chains if you can, keeps the money in the local area. And you know, there's nothing like, uh, let's take the Hampton Inn, for example. If you go to the Hampton Inn in San Jose, Costa Rica, and I have stayed at this Hampton Inn because it's right by the airport, and sometimes that's your only logical, easy choice, it's the exact same one that was near my grandmother's house in Sarasota, Florida. I mean, it's just, it's just an exact replica of the same hotel, the same art in the elevator, that silly golden retriever with the sunglasses on, if you know what I'm talking about. So why travel anywhere if you're gonna see the same thing? That's just my opinion. However, if you're staying near the airport, looking for your place to rest your head, you're just flying into a city for a night, just want to push the easy button. You want to know what you're getting. Hotels are, are great and sign up for the major rewards programs. You got Marriott Bonvoy, which was formerly known as Starwood. You have Hilton, Wyndham Rewards, IHG, and then, you know, just like the airlines, there's a bunch of different uh, hotels that fall underneath all of those uh, rewards programs so with some uh, credit cards like American Express Platinum, then you get uh, access to some you know, platinum status and, and stuff like that. Or maybe it's gold status. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm going off the article now. But uh, yeah, that can be helpful. But usually it's not a huge deal to be really honest with you. Sometimes you get to skip the line, which is nice. And that, is, that has helped me out. Uh, yeah, enough times anyway. So other ideas for where to stay as a solo traveler. Um, you might be looking for a free place to stay in exchange for being helpful. You can, of course, volunteer at hostels. Uh, that's very common. Get to a place, you like it, you want to stick around. Okay, ask the hostel if they need anybody to work uh, for room and board or meals or whatever. Um, I highly suggest volunteering at an organic farm, uh, one like Rancho Margot in Costa Rica. I know many people who have volunteered there. I would highly suggest it. Uh, there's the Woofing Network, the worldwide opportunities on organic farms. There are also sites like WorkAway and GVI, which are trusted volunteer programs. Just keep in mind when you volunteer abroad, uh, you want to do the most sustainable activities as possible. And there's a lot of scams out there. I go into this in great detail in the Millennial Travel Guidebook. So if you're interested in volunteering, uh, yeah, you'll want to, um, you really want to know your stuff. It's like giving to an organization, except you're giving to your time. You want to do your due diligence. Uh, and then one other opportunity, if you like to take care of plants and pets, check out trusted home sitters. Opportunities all over the world to stay. All right, final things to consider as a solo traveler. Transportations, planes, trains, and automobiles, right? They're all options, but which should you pick? As a solo traveler, we urge you to consider your impact on the environment while maximizing the amount of fun you have on your trip. 
For this reason, we always recommend taking public transportation wherever possible. Trust me when I say you won't have much of a cultural experience riding around in an Uber Black. The real travel experiences occur rubbing shoulders with the people who live in a place, whether it's on a local bus, train, ferry, tuk-tuk. Sure, road trips make sense when you have your own car that you already pay for, but please be careful if you choose to drive around a country alone, take frequent breaks, especially if you're renting a car in a country where you don't know the rules, the language, etc., especially driving on the other side of the road. <laughs> I've done it enough times to tell you all it takes is to make a left turn into the wrong lane and be in a head-on collision. I will tell you that it's almost happened to me. Um, let's see. Yeah, just I can't recommend trains enough. Gaze out the window, write in your travel journal, chat with the people around you. I know chatting with people around you is scary, but um, you know, this is traveling is about getting outside of your comfort zone, especially if you're doing it alone. Tra going on trains is one of the most stress free, eco friendly ways to travel. Finally, if you do need to take private transportation, we don't have time or uh, you don't want to take public transportation because it's late at night, you can opt for a ride-sharing app like Uber, Lyft, Southeast Asia has uh, Grab. Of course, you know what you're getting into. It's just safer. Um, <laughs> There's just, yeah, you're digitally tracked. You don't have to mess with the local currency. The drivers get background checks in a lot of these places. The cars are usually vetted. Um, and yeah, taxis and motor taxis can be a lot of fun. Just use your intuition, stay safe, make sure they're not driving you around in circles or driving you where you didn't want to go uh, because that happens all the time. And finally, travel insurance. Before you go, it's important to consider booking travel insurance. I have a big section on this in the Millennial Travel Guidebook as well. Most tour operators and group travel companies will require you to book at least $200,000 in travel insurance coverage. It should cover personal injury, medical expenses, luggage, repatriation, and evacuation expenses. If you're going to travel solo, I would consider World Nomads or WanderWell. You can get the links uh, for this on the under30experiences.com solo travel guide and the most important thing to know about travel insurance is that you'll want to book it as soon as possible after you book your trip that's way if you're that way if you're injured before your trip you'll be covered if you book your trip then break your leg before you book your travel insurance you will not be covered and finally if you're consider uh, concerned about future coronavirus outbreaks or something like that uh, which COVID does qualify as a known pandemic in the eyes of travel insurance companies, then consider booking cancel for any reason insurance. So this way, if something happens, then you can just cancel. Um, but this is not available in all states in the uni United States. All right, everybody. Uh, again, if you're looking to deepen your knowledge, uh, you can check out the Millennial Travel Guidebook, Escape More, Spend Less, Make Travel Priority in Your Life. Thrilled that you made it through this podcast here on the Millennial Travel Podcast. And thank you so much for listening. If I can be helpful to you, uh, reach out, matt at under30experiences.com. Thanks a lot.